Welcome to Points of Departure, a podcast from the Arkansas Global Changemakers in coordination with KUAF Public Radio. Where we aim to place pressing social issues into global context. And bring communities together to find local solutions to global challenges. My name is Lawrence Hare, Associate Professor of History in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And I am Rogelio Garcia Contreras, Teaching Assistant Faculty in the Walton College of Business. And I'm Daniel Carruth, a producer and reporter for KUAF Public Radio. And we're your hosts for Points of Departure. Just ahead on this episode of Points of Departure, the future of impact investing. Companies need to take into account social and environmental issues, and they should uh, include best practices, and we should all do better. No, I think this is the future, and this is if we want to survive in this planet for many, many years, this needs to happen, no? How do you measure the impact of companies and investors looking to enact change? We'll find out after this break. You're listening to Points of Departure. Hello, my name is Mauricio. I am an engineer from Mexico City, and I listen Points of Departure. Thank you. You get a lot of information on demand from KUAF's podcasts, but you can get even more from listening to KUAF on air. Hello, I'm Timothy Dennis. When you listen to KUAF's live programming feed, you get the latest news from NPR programs like Morning Edition, 1A, and All Things Considered, local weather forecasts throughout the day, news about events happening in Northwest Arkansas, and unique music programming on the weekends you won't find anywhere else. Listen for free on your radio at 91.3 FM, at our website, KUAF.com, or tell your smart speaker to play KUAF. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Points of Departure. I'm Lawrence here. I'm joined by Rogelio Garcia Contreras. Rogelio, hello. Hello, Lawrence. How are you? Great. I'm great. So we've been having some really interesting conversations in our third season of the Points of Departure podcast about the future of of problems, of solutions, of the context in which we work. And we've been talking a lot already about social impact investing. We've been talking about this mostly from the American side. And so I think you had an idea that maybe we should get an outside perspective. So maybe you've brought somebody in for us today who can provide that. Uh, Well, yes, thank you, Lawrence. We are delighted to welcome uh, to Points of Departure Maria Cruz Condi, who is the co-director of the Open Value Foundation. Uh, we are in for a great conversation on the role of foundations on the space of social impact. And also in the foundation, they also have connections with, with an impact investment tool, uh, Impact Investment Agency. Uh, and maybe we can discuss some of the details around this um, industry from the perspective of this foundation based in Madrid, Spain, um, uh, with all the work that they do in Africa and the ecosystem that they face in Europe. So, Maria, welcome to Points of Departure. Thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me to join you today. Oh, thank you for joining us. You're in Madrid today, so we're, we're delighted to be able to talk to you across the Atlantic. Yes, I'm in Madrid in a, in a sunny day today. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, well, Maria, why don't we start by um, sharing with our 
audience a little bit of uh, the work you do and uh, if you can tell us what is Open Value Foundation. So, yes, yeah, so Open Value Foundation is a family foundation um, that has the social mission of improving the livelihoods of the most vulnerable people. The, the end is very clear, but the how to do it, uh, after doing like 20 years of traditional philanthropy, uh, we understood that uh, this was not very sustainable and we were creating dependencies and the um, relationships with the final beneficiaries were very vertical and we wanted to have them more horizontal. Right. So uh, we thought we should uh, impulse and spread a, a, and a, a venture philanthropy and impact investing. So we are a family foundation that does a venture philanthropy and uh, spreads the word of uh, impact investing in order to improve the livelihoods of the most vulnerable. What I can see about Open Value Foundation is that you claim to disseminate and promote a hybrid model between mm -hmm. traditional philanthropy and impact investing. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what that hybrid model is? Of course. So when we are talking about venture philanthropy, uh, what we defend is this hybrid model. We understand that we, know we need a financial tools and instruments uh, as well as philanthropic tools and instruments. So what we try is to put them together uh, in order to um, help to bring out the talent uh, of, of the social entrepreneurs. Um, so this is what we try to do is to use this hybrid model. No? So tra traditionally in philanthropy, we've been donating and granting uh, money, but uh, impact uh, investing uh, has been using debt or uh, or equity. So normally what we try is we start with a conversation with uh, the entrepreneur and we try to uh, adapt to their needs, to their financial needs. So this is how we hybrid date the model. Uh, so, so the philanthropy, does that also provide the capital that you need to facilitate the loans? Exactly, yes. So, so let me see if I understand. You do all these within the umbrella of the foundation? Or is it... Yes. Uh, Okay. Can you elaborate yes. a little bit more then what is the relationship that you have with uh, Global Social Impact, which is the impact yeah. investing uh, branch okay. of, of, of the family, I guess, that runs the foundation, correct? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. We, uh, we are all under a family holding that has uh, different projects. One is a very big asset manager firm correct. Um, that does traditional investing and a uh, uh, out of the profit, they finance uh, different impact projects. One of them is the foundation, where we've got uh, this um, venture philanthropy uh, fund. Then we also have some philanth traditional philanthropy projects. And then we've got this on uh, strengthening all the ecosystem and doing formation and doing a, a training on uh, impact investing and accompanying, etc. And then... Uh, they have another asset manager firm, which are regulated uh, investing vehicles, which is Global Social Impact Investments. Uh, they, that's an asset manage manager that has two uh, uh, impact investing vehicles. One is a, a GSIF1 that invests in some sub-Saharan Africa. 
um, in bigger companies, and one is JSIF2, which invests in high-impact companies in Spain. I mean, it sounds like you're you're pointing the way not only to the future of impact investing, but also the future of philanthropy. Can can I ask about that side of things, like how this model changes the relationship you have with your donors? Do you does it lead to recruiting a different kind of donor? Does it does it change the way they think about about their giving? What does this do? Yes. So I I, I would love to point this out. I, I mean I think. There is not enough money in philanthropy to solve all uh, the social or environmental problems that we've got, but this doesn't mean that all social and environmental and social problems can can have a sustainable solution. No, so philanthropy is always going to be necessary. Right. When we go to talk to uh, possible uh, investors, we say this is not to take out of your pocket of philanthropy. You still need to do that. So because sometimes like many social organizations come to us like um, don't take us out our donors from us. No? So, and I think they are right. No, this is not what we're trying to do. I think philanthropy still needs uh, donors. And on the other side, uh, you were asking about our donors and how we grant make from them. But the thing is that we only have one donor, uh, which is this family. And they are the ones that are putting oh, their money in okay. order for this. So uh, we didn't need to change our speech to the donors. They, it, it came out from them. No, They were the ones that started studying about patient capital and impact investing and venture philanthropy. And this was because at one point they said, like, we're giving uh, the 30% uh, of our income, uh, of our benefit to philanthropy, and this might not be sustainable forever because we don't know if we're go- every year is going to be a good year, and et cetera, et cetera. So they started to think that if this was going to be their money, they, they, they needed to do this in a much more sustainable way. Right. So, so in this context, Maria, could you please share uh, most of your work, I understand, at the Open Value Foundation happens in Spain, correct? No, bro- no, no, abroad? no. Uh, okay. Sub-Saharan Africa. Yes. Uh, even for the foundation, not for global, global social impact? Even for the, for the foundation. So normally we try to be in the same geographies because from the foundation, normally it's better for our efficiency to be in the same well, countries. No? Yeah, because yeah. that's where your knowledge base is, right? That's, exactly. Yeah. One cannot know... Uh, all the problems on all the countries and how to solve them and to understand the reality, you know, because each country has a reality, a different reality, different problems and different issues. So it's better for us to be always in the same country. Well, do you focus you know? on specific areas in sub-Saharan Africa? It's a... So we are uh, invest, uh, invested and uh, with uh, projects in uh, East uh, Africa, mainly in Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, and in West Africa, in Nigeria and Ghana. I see. Right. Can, can you provide some examples of the initiatives that you have funded or supported uh, in one or some of these countries? Um, in, in Ghana, um, we are now traveling because, well, we are doing this uh, impact startup competition uh, and uh, we are going to give a, give a grant after a, a pitch speech. Uh, we have had like 150 proposals of uh, many, many impact startups, no? And one of the ones that has uh, sent the proposal, we are also uh, already invested uh, in her. She is a social entrepreneur. Uh, 
her company is trying, uh, she buys different cereals uh, from local producers uh, and she mixes them up to do like very productive uh, cereals for uh, babies and children in Ghana. The international brands that sell these kind of products uh, are very expensive for, for people that have very low incomes. So normally they are not uh, affordable or accessible products for them. So what this woman is trying to do is, uh, first of all, to give uh, accessibility of uh, nutritive papillas. Nutritional, yeah, nutritional yeah. Uh, baby food. yeah, Baby food uh, for low-income families at the time that she is generating uh, quality employment uh, for women, no? Because she, well, firstly, she buys them from local producers. Secondly, uh, she mixes them uh, where these women are helping to produce them and to package them and then to sell them uh, in, in more informal markets. So we have given her a loan uh, with, uh, normally we work like in a 2% or 3% interest rate uh, with uh, uh, two years that uh, she doesn't need to repay until the third year. And then it's a long-term, uh, very flexible um, loan. No? So our aim with these kind of companies is that we start uh, accompanying them from the beginning. We have elaborated with a theory of change. We have uh, had an impact and financial dashboard that we need to follow. We, we have found other co-investors that are going to accompany us in accompanying uh, this company. And our aim is that she grows, 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 grows until she becomes a two, three, four million revenue company. And then we can invest from the impact investment Okay, no? so that's, there's a long-term yeah. strategy here. Well, when you run a competition like this, in your case, it sounds like what you're looking for are, are ideas and partners with whom you can build those long-term strategic relationships. Exactly. And, and also notice, and we, we hear about this a lot, and the people that we, we talk with on this podcast and other play, on our study abroad trips and that sort of thing, where you have entrepreneurs who have sort of a, a double mission or a triple mission where they're trying to achieve multiple social aims. So in this case, trying to improve nutrition through this company, but also trying to advance the employment of women. Is that it? Buying locally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, buying locally. So is that sort of that multiple mission approach is that particularly attractive for for investment from your fund they have to have so our investment criteria include social environmental and economic criteria so they have to meet up with all these characteristics and and this is why the work of the open value foundation is so important for that next step of perhaps uh, access to greater funding through the global social impact uh, fund uh, correct. Like somehow you prepare the grounds for potentially uh, further investment down the road. Is that how it works? Yes, exactly. And then when a company, when we meet up a company and we understand that it's very, very clear that they have this social and environmental mission and they are creating a very positive impact that in some occasions they don't even know what we do is we work with them we work with them creating and elaborating a theory of change you know what's the problem what's the solution what's the impact we are going to create how can we give accountability of this how can we tell that this uh, investment has not only um uh, economic return, but also a, shows, a social re- return. And we um, have a dashboard where we follow up all the outputs, all the outcomes, all the impacts, where we have milestones. We work all this with the company from Open Value Foundation, eh? and then it is included in the investment contract. 
You're listening to Points of Departure. The conversation will continue after this break. Do you ever wonder what's going on while you're at work? Maybe the policy decisions happening at the state capitol. What performances are this weekend? Perhaps the latest news on health, local initiatives, infrastructure, or education. Ozarks at Large is your one-stop shop for local news. Listen every day on KUAF or find the complete episodes and individual stories online at KUAF.com. You're listening to Points of Departure. Uh, One of the things that we have uh, touched during this season of Points of Departure, uh, Lawrence, uh, I know you recall this, is the the way in which certain impact investment uh, funds or initiatives track the impact, not only of their own funds, but also how they involve the beneficiaries of their loans. Uh, in mm-hmm. this process of tracking impact, how Open Value Foundation works around around this? We m- need uh, to invest in companies uh, that their products or goods or services are helping to improve the livelihoods of these people. So we go and uh, meet the company, the headquarters, and of course, uh, we normally go to the final user or client or beneficiary to make sure that they are doing this. And normally, we also do have external uh, analysis of the performance and impact evaluation of the companies. And, and, and can you give us an example of some of the key performance indicators that you track? So we, we, we track the increase on the, uh, on the income uh, of the final beneficiaries. We, we track the, like uh, gender uh, and inclusion. Uh, we also track no? like how many a woman are also involved in the uh, activities and in the services and in the goods of the uh, companies and how many youth. Um, we also uh, track uh, the the improvement uh, you know, then on their livelihoods, uh, if they have had access to training uh, or formation. Well, we track uh, many indicators. So we are quite uh, exhausted in this. So they have five quarterly uh, outputs and then like eight uh, annually outcomes. Great. And and, and that's from the perspective of the foundation. Do you have any requirements on those that receive your funds as to what kind of uh, indicators they they should track? Yes. So uh, both from the foundation and from the impact investment side, we always have to have a theory of change with each company and then a dashboard of key indicators that we uh, agree in and they are always going to track. This was uh, a subject of debate um, in one of our other conversations around impact investment and uh, our guest was arguing that if the company uh, is too young or you know it's a startup and struggling to try to uh, be financially viable that it was kind of unfair, perhaps, or, or we should not be expecting for them to be able to track some of their indicators related to impact. Do you agree with something like this? If I understand that uh, this company's business model is impact because of the business model, mm-hmm. that it shouldn't be difficult for them to track the impact because it would be within their business plan. No? Right. So, um, yeah, we were talking today with one of our 
social entrepreneurs that we invested in like four years uh, ago and he has grown a lot. His, uh, his thesis was that the in the rural uh, area of Spain uh, is getting empty, no? and then uh, most of the olive trees uh, are being abandoned, and this is terrible for the environment, but also for the villages, because the people are migrating and there is no, no people, no? and the concentration of most of the population is in the big cities, and then the rural areas are too empty. So he started with this project, that was uh, to recover uh, abandoned uh, tree, olive trees uh, territory. And this would recover all the economy and then all the uh, uh, smallholder uh, farmers or yeah, the farmers on the area were going to recover the trees because they were going to start to give them money back, blah, blah, blah. No? So when we started to do this with this um, social entrepreneur, his business plan also had his impact metrics no? because it was together like... Okay. Um, Per tree, per farmer, uh, like he was going to measure the um, increase on the income of each uh, farmer um, because they were going to be working there so he could track it. What I hear is that you're you're essentially targeting a sort of better prepared social entrepreneur sort of. And so maybe our previous guest is thinking about investment in a different type of enterprise. Yes. Which takes... But but I do agree because it, it... does take uh, money and resources to track all the impact. When it is part of your business model, well, I mean, when it is in the core, maybe not as much, but when it is uh, separate, uh, yes, of course it does. And I do understand that the entrepreneur has already many issues and many things to take care of. And if you put over him also to report the impact, it's uh, it's complicated. And I think like to measure and manage the impacts uh, when uh, companies start to grow, uh, it is a strategic, it is very important, but it also needs resources. So I both agree and disagree with this case. Mainly agree, but also think that if it this part and if you teach or make the entrepreneur understand that if he starts with this, it will always go with him, no? Correct. Uh, which brings me to the idea of what really constitutes impact in, in the finance industry, you know, in, in, in this world of lines of credit for entrepreneurs, what would constitute impact? I mean, if we look at it from the perspective of micro lending, simply having access to these financial services would constitute impact in and by itself, regardless of the nature of the business that beneficiaries launch, right? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to necessarily be a social impact a business, but mm-hmm. that doesn't negate the kind of social impact that the fund may have. Uh, but you're talking uh, maybe a step further, you know, in, in exactly. this process um, where the, the fund has the intention to fund businesses with a double or triple bottom line. Would you agree that impact has then many different dimensions? Absolutely, Rogelio, and I think this is super important to say when we talk about uh, us as an impact investment fund, we talk about our impact investment criteria. This doesn't mean that this is uh, exclusive for others. No, these are ours and others may have other impact investment criteria. So this is why we are so clear in this is what we're trying to do. This is the change we're trying to see. and, and but so when a company, you know, an impact company comes to us and we say uh, that we cannot invest in them because they don't meet our impact criteria, they are constantly like defending, like, no, but we are also an, a, an impact company. And I'm, yes, of course, of course you are. 
no, that that you don't meet our criteria doesn't mean that we are not creating a huge impact in the world. Is that we are focused in the uh, problems of poverty and accessing goods or products to improve the livelihoods of the most vulnerable. But there are many other ways of making impact, of course, no. And I'm I'm always uh, I always try to be very clear with this message because I wouldn't like anyone to feel offended, no. Uh, actually, they are now trying to uh, standardize, and this is in Europe is uh, they're being like trailblazers doing this environmental and social taxonomy. And I think this is complicated, eh? It's very because complicated. Yeah, yeah. So at what level is that is that attempt happening? Is that at the EU level or at the national level? Uh, this is at the EU level. Yeah. Well, there's a difference <laughs> but, uh, between between standardizing some of these measurements as a as a best practice that the that the industry provides and a, and a regulation that's coming from government, <laughs> particularly from at government at the supranational level. And th- this is another sort of discussion that we've been having over the course of this podcast about whether whether it's beneficial to think about somehow standardizing some of these measurements or, or some of these indicators, and it's complicated. And on that score, can I ask, since you have a fund that runs in Africa and a fund that runs in Spain, mm-hmm. what, what type of learning has come out of that? Ex- you have two very different environments that you're investing in. Super different, and this is what, one of the things no, that we have been doing this for the last four years and there are many things that uh, you can ask for Spanish companies that you cannot ask in uh, Afri- in sub-Saharan African companies and if we were to ask to some of the sub-Saharan African uh, companies that they should have some procedures and some protocols that here in Spain we ask for because they have been decided uh, here in this European context is we ask them then we wouldn't be able to invest in them and then the private capital would not be getting there. So they would still be having the same problems. So if we think that a private capital is going to unlock and to help to develop and industrialize some African companies, we I think we need to adapt to them and not them to adapt to us. And 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 this brings me back to to this idea of standardization, not only because I am fascinated by the topic, but yes, we need to adapt to them. You were saying as opposed to they, them adapting to our bureaucracies. But in, in, in this context of the European Union pushing for a uh, standardization of best practices, I, 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 I don't know how deep they go into, into it, but I understand the complications. But what I want to ask is, do you need, even if with the complications and even with the resources that we'll have to organizations like yours will have to invest in, in, in the compliance of these new regulations and all these things, mm. despite the complications, do you think it's necessary or would benefit the industry some sort of standardization of impact assessment mechanisms? Firstly, I think uh, for to complex problems, complex solutions. No, So if we are trying to simplify this into a very simple taxonomy, this is a trouble, no? A okay. uh, and it's yeah. very tyrannic. On the other way, I think, yes, it is good to regulate because it will all, all, also attract a lot of capital, no? If you're saying, oh, right. so uh, your investments uh, and companies, I think at the end of the day, we're going to be in the same beach. And I think the, the future of investment in, gen- in general is going to be impactful because I think companies need to take into account 
social and environmental issues, no? And no company should be operating uh, without taking into account that they are provoking a social impact and an environmental impact, and they should uh, include best practices, and we should all do better, no? I think this is the future, and this is, if we want to survive in this planet for many, many years, this needs to happen, no? Yeah, I think then, it leaves but, us with the challenge of how to be flexible with these standards. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if the European Union is going to establish some type of benchmark or standard, that will inevitably impact everybody else. So, so for example, when the, when the privacy regulations were passed in the European Union GDPR, now the United States, that's why, by the way, if you're an American listener, this is why you have to accept cookies on all your websites, because that, that's exactly. totally the fault of the European Union. <laughs> but yes. but it, changed, it changed practices in the U.S., and I think it would happen the exact same way. If, if, if the European Union is regulating impact investment, it won't be long before the U.S. will be, and the countries that you serve as well. Uh, well, I don't know if at the level of the federal government, but in some states, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're saying... In the meanwhile, we will have our own criteria. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, and that's, that's very important, as a matter of fact. That's very important, but leads to the question of, of can you be judged and take part of the... You know, like, it's good that you yeah. measure your impact, but at, at to what extent... Exactly. You know. But this is what we defend, Rafael, is that when we talk to our investors, we tell them, this is what we think is impact, and these are the companies we are willing to invest in because this is what we want to do. And then they have a, the free uh, decision to invest or not because they agree or not. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so there's that there's that bandwidth, there's that freedom right. in, in the criteria exactly. of the investor, which which also you know now that you were asking about the the situation here in America, uh, yes, some some states are definitely advocating for regulating or uh, have at least a benchmark, some sort of benchmark for impact assessment mechanisms, but others are definitely criticizing impact investing, period, right, for deviating funds from investors into into industries that are not of relevance for the state. You know, that's an argument <laughs> in, in, in some states in America, you know, like some, some, some key industries are not receiving the funding that they should be receiving because investors are now, you know, considering other aspects and, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of this money goes into a different different industry, So, which is interesting. I think it's fair to say that I think European countries probably have a higher level of comfort with social impact investing than, than maybe we see in parts of the U.S. I don't know. What do you think, Maria? Do, do, you, do you agree with that statement? Uh, in- so what, what I would say is that uh, whatever is a... Uh, 10 uh, million in Spain, it's 100 million in UK and 1,000 million in the US, no? Because uh, there is, I, I don't think, I don't know if there is more sensi- uh, sensitivity or more consciousness, but for sure there is no, no not more money. Oh, that's, a, that's <laughs> uh, an important distinction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe they would love to do it, but uh, there, there's not as, as much money. But, uh, but that's true. In the US, eh? uh, to, to be fair, that's true for any form of investment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No. Yeah. This is so. So it depends. Like, are Europeans more sensitive to this kind of invest investings? Maybe. Are they investing more? For sure not. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. Well. Uh, thank you, Maria, for being with us in this episode of Points of Departure. Thanks for your participation and for connecting at a very different time zone. <laughs> no. No. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. And as many times uh, as you want. Thank you for inviting me. 
You've been listening to Points of Departure. Your hosts are Rogelio Garcia Contreras and Lawrence Hare. I'm Daniel Carruth. Points of Departure is a podcast production of KUAF Public Radio and Arkansas Global Changemakers. For more on topics discussed in this episode, links and information about our guests, as well as previous episodes, you can find that all at KUAF.com.